invite you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 22 this morning, Matthew 22. Title this message, The, hey, somebody saying, hey, hey, bye. My kids, that's their favorite word, hey. Hey, I say hey is for horses. That's what I say when they say that to me. Matthew 22. By the way, if anybody wants to shout out hey during the sermon, feel free. Spirit of liberty in this place. Hey, all right. Hey, Jack. All right, Matthew 22. Does anybody still watch Duck Dynasty, or is that like so old now? Anyways, oh, is that old? Okay. Our teenagers can keep us straight. Uh, Matthew 22, titled this message, The Wedding Garment. The Wedding Garment. You know, when you receive an invitation to a wedding in the mail, down at the very bottom of it, a lot of times it will say attire. And then there will be a colon, and it will be in some ridiculously confusing font that is impossible to read. But anyways, nevertheless, it's got this, this font on there, hieroglyphics or something, and it, and it says the attire you're supposed to wear. And so it will say formal or casual business casual or dressy casual or beach formal. If it's super swanky, it'll say black tie. If it's very, very, very swanky swank, it'll say white tie attire. And if you wear the wrong attire, you could offend somebody. And that's one thing. You can offend somebody. They'll probably forget about it after a week or two. But you know, there's going to be a wedding party in heaven. And there is a certain attire you're supposed to have. And if you do not wear the right attire, you're not going to be able to go to the party. And that is what Matthew chapter 22 is all about. So let's see what God has to say to us. He was sharing a parable to teach us about the kingdom of God. Matthew 22, verse 1. If you're with me, say, hey. All right. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. You see that? They didn't want to come to the wedding party. Verse 4. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come. It was an invitation. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. And he went off, one to his farm and another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry 
And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. Now that may make somebody want to shout that little phrase. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Wow. There's a large party happening, going to happen, in heaven. And the celebration is this. The celebration is that it's in honor of the Son. There's a king. Now, if you're trying to figure out the parable, who does the king represent? God the Father. And the Son represents who? Jesus. And so the celebration is in honor of the Son and really for what He has done in coming to save us, our salvation. Now, during New Testament times, kings, whenever they would send out an invitation, you came. It's not like today and we get our feelings hurt about all these different things, and so if we don't agree with the politics of somebody, we just we turn down president's invitation. But we, the Bible says we, we don't have to love the man or agree, but we should respect the office, and we should pray for our leaders, whether you agree with them or not. So back in the day, if you turned down an invitation from the king, you could be killed. And so Jesus is sharing this story, and And he says that there's a king and he sends out these invitations. He sends out servants to go and to invite people to this amazing feast party. Hootenanny. Some of y'all don't, that's an Arkansas word. We don't even, we don't have many Arkansas people here. Y'all know what a party is though, right? It's a feast. And and the Bible says they would not come. Now, who's that invitation to? Well, probably it's talking about who was the invitation sent to first? The the Jews, Jewish people, that's right. And so they would not come. Verse 4, again, he sent other servants saying, now, in Bible times, the king would be done with you. Okay, you turn down the invitation, but you see the patience of God. You see the love of God, so he sends other people saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Now here, just like in the story of the prodigal son, we see that God's favorite kind of food is steak. You see that, right? Oxen and fat calves. You can't argue with that. The Lord made beef, amen? Okay, so there are seven truths, seven observations about the wedding feast, the wedding party I'd like to share with you. Number one is this, if you're taking notes. You have received an invitation to the greatest wedding party ever. 
Did you know that? The invitation has your name on it, and it's sent to you to, the, to come to the greatest party that has ever been thrown. The best food, the best company, the best environment, most amazing party ever. The parable, or not the parable, the, the, the great banquet. And this, this party is celebrating the sun. And the invitation is this, that if you will repent of your sins and call upon Jesus to save you, then you will be saved. And that punches your ticket. That gives you our, a reservation for the party. Revelation 19.9 says, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible says that. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. So the invitation is to you today. You know, we, we, I mentioned earlier, people get their feelings hurt about all kinds of things today. We, we, America is probably one of the softest, turning into one of the softest countries on the planet. And so, a lot of times, maybe we don't get invited to something. I preached a wedding last weekend, and man, there was just a specific amount, a, a small, the, the bride does, she, what's it called, wedding planner? The people that organize weddings? So she does that for a job, and so... She just did her own wedding how she wanted to, and she just decided to have very few people there. Man, there's like 500 people that are offended, but she doesn't really care. (laughs) But here's the good news. You cannot say you didn't get an invitation to this wedding. Because Jesus is in the house today, and he's, He's inviting you right now to come. Second observation. From God's word is this. Not everyone responds to the invitation. It is an RSVP invitation, but not everybody. They just get it in the mail and they put it aside. Anybody know that stack at your house? You just put it aside or put it in the garbage. Not everyone responds. Verse 3, we see that they would not come. Look at verse 5. They paid no attention and they went off. One to his farm, another to his business. Verse 5, in other words, they said, we don't have time to worry about going to a wedding party. We got too much going on. We got too much work on the farm. We got too much at the business. We got too many activities. That's not that important. So they didn't care. They were apathetic. There's too much apathy in our culture and it has creeped inside of the church. That may be our greatest sin. History is happening. Eternal stakes are on the playing field. And we're just drifting through life, doing our thing. Could care less about people going to hell for all eternity. But the Lord cares about it. And He's sending His servants to go and to to invite people to come to the party so they will not go to a place called hell. In verse 6, there were some people that were invited, 
And not only did they not pay attention, but they decided to kill the messengers. You ever heard the, the, the phrase, hey, I'm just the messenger? Well, that's what these messengers were. They were just the messengers, and they were killed. And we see this is a little prophetic, because see the disciples, 11 out of 12, we know, we believe, church history says they were all martyred. They were killed for their faith. Not because they were Jewish, but because of their love for the Lord and their message. So not only did they not respond to the invitation, but some of them in verse 6 takes it a step further and they killed the messengers. Which brings us to the third observation, number three. The servants will suffer. God's servants will suffer, but but must press on to invite the whole world. Jesus says, do not be surprised when you face a fiery trial. Don't be shocked. Do not be surprised when people hate you. Do not be surprised when people hate your message. He told the disciples these things all the time. And then we get in 2019 and all of a sudden we're surprised that people are hostile to the gospel. And so that causes us to not share it. That causes us to not talk about it. That causes us to to act like little hermit crabs and, and to be timid and shy about the gospel. But God's people ought to be loud and proud unashamed of the gospel. Put it out there for everybody to see that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The enemy wants you to be afraid to share the truth because he knows the truth will set people free. So we will suffer. But we must press on. The invitation, the command is clear to go into all the world and preach the gospel. To go make disciples of all nations. We don't, you may say, well, I don't really like that command. I don't really like that, uh, that commission. Well, I don't think the servants get to tell the king what to do, do they? The, the, the clay doesn't talk back to the potter and say, I think I'd like to be a vase or a vase. Or I think I would like to be a bulb. No, we just, the potter forms the clay into whatever he wants. Number four, fourth observation. The invites, invitees, are not invited because of their works, but because of the heart of the king. Notice the king in verse 7 was very angry. So he sent his troops, and, and I believe the troops could be the angels. And we know that angels, some angels have flaming swords. Now, why do you have a sword if you're never going to use it? So they, they use those swords sometimes. Aren't you glad if you're a Christian today, if you're a child of God, you've got God's angels to help protect you? Isn't that good? That'll preach. That's good. I'm glad. Kind of makes me you want to go march in North Korea and preach the gospel, doesn't it? Fires me up. We've got angels. So the, God sends his troops, and he destroys those murders and he burned their city now this could be a reference prophecy prophetic talking about the fall of jerusalem in ad 70 okay so right after right when the early church really started got going hot you see that the fall of jerusalem which was predicted in the bible many times this could be and probably is i think a reference to that burn their city verse 8 
Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. The Jewish people were more righteous than any other. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Now notice this in verse 10. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. So the invitees are not invited because of their works, their nationality, their skin color, their income, all the good things they did. And it didn't even matter if they were had bad works, if they were bad people. The invitation still goes out to them. Powerful truth. You mean that people a lot worse than me get to go to heaven to the same party that I'm going to? Absolutely. And friend, if you have that attitude, you might be worse off than they are. It's not about what we bring to the table. It's not our own self-righteousness. It's another righteousness. Verse 5, we see that the pretenders will try to sneak in. Fifth observation. Pretenders will try to sneak in to the party. Look what happens. The king came to look at the guests and he saw a man who had no wedding garment. He says, hey, sorry, I didn't plan on that, it just came out. Hey, he says, hey, how'd you get in here? You don't have on the right thing. You don't have on the wedding garment. And he ordered the troops to take him, take him out. There are pretenders who will try to sneak in to the church, into the kingdom of God, and into heaven. But you cannot fool the king of kings. People who will come to the wedding party just for the chocolate fountain. People who will come to... You've seen wedding crashers. I mean, there are people that will come to weddings... And you, you say, I've never seen that person in my life. It's a real thing. People actually do this. At our wedding photo album, there's a picture of this man, and he has his cheek right on my wife's cheek. She's got on her wedding dress, and I mean, they are cheek to cheek, just hugging, and he's smiling. And we still, to this day, we don't have a clue who that guy is. We've never seen him before. She's never seen him. I've never seen him. Our families have never seen him. We still to this day, we don't know who that guy is or where he came from. And I just think, I think he came for the food. Or he just didn't have anything to do. And, and he saw that there was a wedding at First Baptist Church Carville, and I think I'd just go up there and hang out. So there are people who will be pretenders who will try To sneak in. You see, why didn't he belong? Because he didn't wear the right thing. He didn't have the proper attire. You see, the banquet was there to honor the son. But this pretender, he didn't come to honor the son. He just came for the caviar. He just came for for gospel blessings, but he didn't want the gospel. 
He didn't really come to honor the Son. He didn't care about the Son. He didn't care about the gospel. He tried to sneak in. He was a rebel. He tried to make up his own rules and do his own thing. And if that a picture of American Christianity, I've never seen a better one right now. Try to make up our own rules and try to make our faith out to, to customize our life like go, going to McDonald's and, and ordering it just how we want it. And that's not how the gospel works. That's not how the kingdom of God works. We have God's word that tells us how to live and what to do. But this guy, he tried to sneak in. You see, he tried to use some forms of godliness, yet his heart was full of rebellion towards the king. So just because something looks godly, it looks Christianese, it might not be. Just because people talk a good talk about the Lord and what they're doing, it doesn't mean that they're the real deal. They may be an imposter. The next observation, number six, is this. We must wear the proper attire to the wedding banquet. We must wear the proper attire to the wedding banquet. Now, I know you've been thinking the whole time, well, what is it? What am I supposed to wear? All the ladies are thinking, what kind of dress is this? Say yes to the dress. We must wear the proper attire. Here's what it is. Now, to be fair, disclaimer, we're not 100% sure that it's one specific thing. Okay, it's probably the all-encompassing, but, but it, here's my, my, after just struggling with this all week, I'm just, I believe this is what it's talking about. What is the attire? I believe it is the righteous robe. The righteous road. Robe, not road. Robe, like a, a robe you put on. You say, why do you believe that? You cannot get to heaven without Christ's righteousness imputed into your life. In other words, the word impute means that it has to be put there by somebody else. So you and I, we cannot attain this righteousness on our own strength. Our own effort, we can't do it. We can't get there. It has to be given, in fact, it has to be given by God Almighty and imputed into us, this righteousness. God's righteousness, okay? So here's some scripture references since those of you that want to think it's something different. Now, I could be wrong, but Isaiah 61, just think for a second. Isaiah 61, verse 10. Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says this. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. That's Old Testament. Okay? So there's your Old Testament verse. Another verse talks about removing the filthy garments from him. See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and clothe you with festal robes. The book of Job talks about the garments of righteousness. And now New Testament, Philippians chapter 3. Here's a New Testament verse. In fact, let's, can we turn there, everybody, Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. This, this is the whole point of Jesus' message. So if we, we miss this, we miss it all. The wedding garment. Philippians chapter 3. Now, Paul, who was Paul? He was a Pharisee. He was the leading Pharisee. He was responsible for going and arresting Christians. According to all the Jews, Paul was the top guy. I mean, he was just a righteous. I mean, he was trustworthy. He was the, the religious expert. Okay, he he went to he studied the Bible. He memorized all his Sunday school verses. He never missed church. He always served. He was. This is who, ladies, you would want your daughters to marry. This guy. Okay, he was the top of his class. The Apostle Paul. That that name is his name was Saul. And, and so Saul was. Just the most spiritual man. And look what he says. Verse 3. Chapter, I mean, chapter 3, verse 4. Paul says this. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now look at this closely. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul says, I was blameless. It's a pretty bold move. Now look at verse 7. Here's the whole point of the whole sermon this morning. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You know what that word rubbish? It means dung. You know what that is? We don't have to talk about it. It's around the hay. Count them as rubbish. Paul says, all of those things, I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain, gain Christ. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Now look closely at this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from Southern Baptist Christianity. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the Catholic Church. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from being an American. Not having a righteousness of my own because I'm a pretty good guy. No. Paul says, I don't have a righteousness of my own. But that which comes through faith in Christ. You see, faith is the key. Faith, not just faith, but faith in who's the object of the faith? Jesus. Faith in Christ. The righteousness from God. You see that? From God? Where's it coming from? It comes from the Lord. He imputes it into us. Supernaturally, when we repent and put faith in Christ. It comes through faith in Christ 
the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Then Paul says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Have you had that righteousness imputed into your life? You couldn't get it on your own. You know, you go to, you do all the church things and you, you come to church all the time and you, know, you wear the right clothes and all that. But this is a righteousness that comes from above. In fact, God has to impute it into your life. He has to plant it into your life. It's a transfusion. It comes inside of you. The Old Testament says God gives us a new heart. Get a heart transplant. So that when we go to heaven and we show up, we've got the righteous robe. Righteous. I said, I said righteous instead of righteousness because those of you that um, grew up in the 70s and you like to use the word righteous, yeah, man, righteous, it'll help you remember this sermon. So the righteous robe. You got it? Do you have it? You have one of those? Because, friend, it doesn't come through your good works. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. It is a gift from God. Not a gift from the priest, not a gift from the church, not a gift from the saints. A gift from God Almighty. So we give the invitation to go to the wedding party and then we got to find our robe because the attire is this, the righteous robe. And you get the righteous robe by coming simply just as you are, a sinner, separated from God. And here's how you RSVP. You come just as you are. You say, God, I'm a sinner. And I know you knew that already because you're God and you know everything. But God, I'm admitting to you that I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I've fallen short. And God, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I've heard about the gospel. I've heard that what you did, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, to live a perfect life, to to die for my sins, to raise from the grave, raise to life. And and God, I know I've heard about this amazing grace that you've purchased, this righteousness, you've purchased that for me. And God, I want to receive that into my life. And God, I want to be saved. And God, I want to commit my life to following you. Now, just an observation before we get to the last and final point about this righteousness. If you have the righteousness in God imputed into your life, okay, inside of your life, if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, guess what? You will be different. If you have this kind of righteousness imputed into your life, then you're going to be different. You are going to be, you're not going to want to just be around sin all the time. You're not going to want to be a rebel. You're going to want to do things God's way when God says do it. And so people who are imposters and pretenders, they have no problem with sex outside of marriage. People that are pretenders and imposters They don't care about holy things. They don't care about God's law that says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Do not 
say in front of your children, my God, do not swear, do not talk. Let everything that comes out of your mouth be building up of others. You see, if you have the righteousness of God inside of you, then you're going to want to be different. You're going to want to follow the law and serve God and do what's right. And when it comes down to ethical issues in our culture, it really should be kind of easy as far as where you stand. It's just this. Hey, I'm going with the Word. And, and that settles it. But what's it say? Okay, that's what I, I'm with that. I'm with the Lord. No matter what everybody else says and how they want to twist and, and falsely interpret God's Word, hey, I'm going with the, the book. You see, there's a lot of imposters. Oh, I'm a Christian. Really? Yeah, I, I, I do my house church. I do a house church at my house, just me and myself, and I watch it on television. Well, that's okay for a few weeks, but if you have the righteousness of God that's been imputed into your life, you're going to know that you need to be in fellowship with other believers. You're going to know that you need to go and be a part of a local body. You're going to know that you need accountability. You need people asking you questions. You need, you need accountability. You need a family. You need encouragement that comes only from the local body of Christ. You see, we don't get to do our own thing and mark our own course. No, we've, we have a course laid out for us. By God, a plan for our life specifically, customized for us, and how that impacts the kingdom of God. Do you have the robe? It's imperative that you have it. And you can have it today if you don't. Verse 7 and finally, those who reject the invitation will be cast into the outer darkness. Look at God's Word in Matthew 22. Verse 13, Jesus said, or the king said, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are called. The, the invitation is going out. We just had a team of people. They went to Tennessee. And, and they went serving the Lord. They went in the name of Jesus. Go be the hands and feet of God. And they're putting that call out there. The call that they, they were invitation. They were taking invitations with them. And it wasn't something on paper. They had it inside of them. We're taking the invitation to all the people. Man, why are y'all working on this house? Why, why are you here? Why'd you come? Why are y'all on your way to Tennessee? Because we serve the living God. This is simple. God's called us to go. We're going to go. What's God calling you to do today? What, what's God calling you to pick up? What's God calling you to lay down? He's calling. He's got many invitations going out today. And many for salvation. Some are for church membership. Some are a call to come and join the security team. Now, if you shake shakiest gun in the West, we don't want you to 
be on the security team, but if you have a gift, maybe you've served in law enforcement, why are you not serving on the security team? We need help. It's hot outside. We don't want people passing out because they're out there every single Sunday. Never get a break. They need to come to church. They need to be in here under the Word of God. But there's all kinds of places and ways you can serve inside of the church, but then primarily, maybe even more important, is when you leave these doors, we're going into our mission field, right? And and so your your schedule and your workplace and where you go and where you live, we are missionaries going out on mission every day. And then your Sunday school class, your your Sunday morning small small group, that, that should be a mobilizable mission force. That class can go to China or it can go across the street. It's, it's, it's small enough where it can go all kinds of places. And they can have as many parties as they want to and probably need to do more fellowships for those that are physically able. You need to hang out, be together. That's what the church does. But those who reject the invitation will be cast into the outer darkness. And they will miss the greatest party that has ever been thrown. It's going to be great. The invitation's out. How will you respond today? We're about to have an invitation, which is simply a time for you to make a, to respond to God's Word today. I want to encourage you. If God is moving, don't get distracted by anything. Please don't, don't, don't hesitate and do not delay. Come today as God leads you. Let's pray.